This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson-Weber, and my guest is Michael Weber, who is the newly appointed artistic director at Porchlight Music Theater. I'm talking to him at the lobby of the Marriott, where he also happens to be performing in For the Boys. Um, he's a multitasker. Michael has worn many hats in the Chicago theater scene, including as actor, director, playwright, and artistic director of two previous companies. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested, Michael, in, um, first of all, how you came to Porchlight. I think, was there a previous relationship? Was it an open kind of job search? Yeah, I had a, I had an opportunity to work with Porchlight. I directed a production of Stephen Sondheim's uh, musical Assassins that he wrote with John Weidman. And um, at that time, uh, Walter Stearns was the artistic director, and he interviewed a number of people who were interested in the position, and, and uh, I was very fortunate to be hired uh, along with music director Doug Peck, mm-hmm. and that was my first opportunity working with Doug. And we did uh, Assassins, which is a, a, an incredible and a challenging um, Sondheim piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a really interesting introduction to Porchlight. Um, How long ago was this? This was about four years ago. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was about four years ago. But it was an excellent experience and a production that I was really particularly proud of. Mm. And um, Porchlight had a, I was aware of it as having a very strong relationship with Sondheim musicals, as well as more challenging musicals that weren't being uh, produced at some of our larger, um, Mm. more commercial-oriented theaters uh, that specialize in musicals. So it was an interesting uh, opportunity because it's not the kind of show that you would just get to do everywhere in Chicago. Um, So a a number of months ago when I heard that the porch light was making a change, um, uh, we began a discussion Mm. and uh, it resulted in me again getting another opportunity with them, which is now in the position of artistic director. Um, In the uh, time, as you're saying, within the past few years, I've, I've had opportunities at being an artistic director at a couple of other theaters in Chicago, uh, originally at Theater at the Center, which is a not-for-profit company that's um, in Munster, Indiana, just south of Chicago and the suburbs, and also at uh, building, actually from the ground up, the Drury Lane Theater at Water Tower Place, which was a commercial operation, both Mm -hmm. doing a lot of music theater, um, but they also both did plays, but predominantly their relationship with with this uh, was a music theater. So it was a very interesting yin and yang of going from a small not-for-profit to a very large, very established uh, commercial uh, music theater, and now Porchlight, which is smaller to some degree, even uh, more than theater at the center, Mm. Um, but... is able to explore a lot more challenging material musically than um, either of those theaters were really prepared to do. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a it's familiar, but it's also very very different. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about that element of it. And uh, how would you describe um, any shift in direction that you see coming as a result of your leadership? Well, um, I think partially. It has to do with the kind of theater that I'm interested in, both as an actor and as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, Porchlight is the only theater that's actually in Chicago that exclusively does music theater. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that as one of the great theater cities of the world, 
we don't have more theaters that specify a music theater yeah. in the city proper. Right. And yet at the same time, there is a common understanding, especially in Chicago, but certainly around the country, about a Chicago aesthetic to theater. Mm -hmm. um, what makes Chicago the exciting theater town that it is, the experimentation, the level of risk, the level of emotional commitment, the level of danger, the level of sexuality, the level of violence mm -hmm. that is on stage that we associate with some of uh, the great names uh, within Chicago theater from Steppenwolf to the the, the wonderful sort of lost theaters of Wisdom Bridge and Remains and right. these places. I think... Um, Have you been in Chicago since? I I was born and raised in Chicago. Uh -huh. I never... I, I, there was been many occasions where I thought I was going to leave to go to LA or New York and different things ended up keeping me here gratefully. Uh -huh. um, so I'm Chicago born and bred. So you've watched the whole burgeoning I've of this scene. been there. I started, I mean, I mean, as a kid... I started as a busboy at the Candlelight Dinner Playhouse, wow, no literally bussing tables and yeah. wanting to get on stage and eventually did yeah. as an actor there. And, and that's how... Um, Was that your debut? Was that a Candlelight? That, no, I don't... Uh, I, I get, well, maybe it probably was starting as the understudy to the wonderful, great Dale Benson. And, um, I would, I was 20 years old wow. and would go on for Dale. It was very strange. Um, <laughs> but it, though, the, you know, those were wonderful times and, and all of those other theaters were so alive back then. Right. It's still and vibrant, you know, your, your Wisdom Bridge and Body Politic and, and all of those great places. Um, and that's how I got into it was learning theater, watching that kind of acting. And then even a lot of the stuff that they were doing out at the forum, I mean, back in the days was, was very daring. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is kind of the aesthetic that's in my guts as to how to approach theater. And there are a lot of musicals that welcome that idea and, and, and other ones maybe that don't even know that they welcome this sort of Chicago approach. Mm. And we have a lot of incredible music theaters within the Chicago area. Obviously the one I'm at, Marriott Lingachar, it's one of the great theaters. I, I love working here, Dory Lane, uh, and theater at the center. Um, I think there's room for a lot of different approaches to music theater. And that is where I, I hope Porchlight, we can take it into a direction that does do music theater, but has, is a comfortable addition and a, a nice neighbor to the Steppenwolfs mm -hmm. and, and as I've said before, places like the Steep Theater and, and right. Shattered Globe and, and American Blues and those wonderful died in the wool Chicago theaters. That Gritty storefront. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And they can sing too, you yeah. know, and music can be part of that. Right. Um, I think it's an interesting, um, quality about Porchlight that the, even the name, it's Porchlight Music Theater, not Porchlight Musical Theater, mm. which is an interesting distinction that allows us flexibility to also be able to explore plays that have a, that have music as a center element. Mm -hmm. uh, early on in its um, existence, it did things like Amadeus. Um, I would love to see us be able to come back full circle and be able to do some plays that have music as an integral part mm -hmm. that make it music theater yeah. and allow us to put our uh, stamp on it so that it becomes a porch light version of a play or a musical. Are you uh, interested in producing new work? Absolutely. 
Yes. We have a series that has been uh, connected with Porchlight for many years called Off the Porch, which is um, an experimental uh, exploratory wing for new work. Um, uh, we, we had a great success with, uh, actually it was running in tandem when I was doing assassins was, uh, a production called the teapot dome scandals that John Steinhagen, mm -hmm. who, and John is a, a prolific a playwright now working uh, in town and he is one of our artistic associates, um, and it, uh, John has a wonderful fascination with history and historical elements. And it was a musical about the, the, the scandal that rocked the, the Harding administration in the twenties. It was a really terrific companion piece to assassins. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we did it in repertory. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some really incredible music, uh, writers here in Chicago, writers of musicals, um, uh, certainly, uh, I mean, new people and, and quite established people, certainly M Michael Mahler and Alan Schmuckler are friends of ours. Michael was in Assassins when I did it. Uh, but John Rieger uh, also uh, has written some wonderful things. Uh, Doug Post. And there's a lot of people that are right here in Chicago. John Steinhagen. Right. Um, and we, we like working with them. At the same time, we're also talking um, with some people who are quite established nationally. Um, who have had uh, great success on Broadway, but also have pieces that they would like to work with us. Mm -hmm. Maybe pieces that were on Broadway uh, in New York or may maybe appeared around the country, but didn't get the gestation and the opportunity to be the show that the writer intended, mm -hmm. particularly with musicals, because there's so many additional players you're dealing with music directors and, 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 and choreographers and, and orchestrations and all these other elements that make it such an expensive right. and, and, uh, um, complicated game that sometimes, particularly with a show going to Broadway, when on Wednesday, June 12th, that's when we said the show was going to open mm -hmm. and it opens and the writers might have had with just a few more weeks they could have maybe fixed it or done something that they wanted. There are a number of those pieces out there that those writers would like to work with us to get a second chance at. Or cases where the producer was scared, <laughs> needed sure. to do take a safe choice. Absolutely. Those kind of things happen Absolutely. when the stakes are so high. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the people back off. So yeah. And, and the idea of being able to, we've got to add more titles to the canon of music theater. We've got to keep writing. I, I was um, uh, having a meeting today because I, I work with the Jeff Awards and there was a, a mention that I think that this past season, I think there were 28 new plays that were produced in Chicago. That's extraordinary. I mean, mm -hmm. 28 people just taking a chance mm -hmm. going, I've got a new story to tell you. Right. And people going, yeah, I want to hear your new story. I love the glass menagerie and I love waiting for lefty and I love the great American canon, but I'm also liking, I'd like to hear something new. Yeah. The same can be said about musicals. And it's a, you know, there was an audience who there, who walked in the door to see Fiddler on the Roof for the first time, right. you know, right. and Elliot Ali for the first time and gave it a chance. Yeah. Um, we're really interested to to help continue to contribute to that canon of of uh, music theater. Talk about scale, because I would think that um, one of the, just what you talked about that that musicals tend to be so big uh -huh. um, and so complicated, and to some extent, kind of grandiose and overblown. There's right. a tendency in that direction. Right. I is uh, you have a smaller 
space for mm-hmm. one thing. Are you going to focus on smaller pieces or not necessarily? Well, uh, well, uh, we we actually are, are itinerant. We don't actually have our own space. For a number of years, we've worked out of um, what is now Stage Seven Seven Three, which used to be the theater building. Um, right now, our current production, putting it together, is at Theater Wit. Um, we do not have our own space. Uh-huh. We like we've been staying within the neighborhood. I'm very interested in exploring some site-specific uh, productions, Going, th- starting with the play and deciding what's the best place for this mm-hmm. play to live in and then being able to put it into the right space. Um, there is an element of spectacle that you're talking about that right. people associate with music theater, uh, big dancing choruses and things like that. This is one of those areas where I think that we have the room to say there's room for another way to approach it, which mm-hmm. is a smaller, up-close, seeing-the-actor-sweat kind of approach to musicals. Being, I mean, one of the theaters I admire so much, uh, being Writer's Theater, one mm-hmm. of the most unique th- things that they were able to provide their audience, particularly when they just were in the bookstore, bookstore was yeah. being this close right. to Larry Yondo acting right. or Hollis Resnick or John Rieger or Kevin Goodall. I mean, yeah. for an audience to be three feet watching a brain like Bill Brown going, going at it and Frost Nixon, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's overwhelming. Yeah. The same thing can happen with musicals, I think, in the same way. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it only means picking small musicals. Any play can be approached just go page act one, page one. Anna arrives on the boat in Siam and mm-hmm. she's meeting the king. And you approach it that way as opposed to scratching your chin going, well, gee, I wonder how they did the movie. How could we put Bally High on stage like they uh-huh. did the movie uh-huh. or or giving those types of expectations. Um, let me, let me, you made me think of something when you were talking about writers and the, the, your, the great acting that mm-hmm. you can see close up. Um, one of the characteristics of lyric theater, music theater, is that it's inherently non-naturalistic mm-hmm. because people don't sing in real life. Right. And secondly, when people sing, they're not always attractive close up. I mean, that's a funny thing to say. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think sometimes, um, I could imagine there being an issue when, yeah. when you don't have that distance and yeah. the, you know, what the big stage can do in terms of kind of hiding the work, the technical work yeah. of singing, for instance, and dancing too. Yeah. Have you thought about that? Is that a? Well, I, I think it needs to, you need to attend to proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly when you're saying the word dance, um, there is a quality of that that requires space and, right. and the space then demands you to fill the space with right. a certain kind of right. energy that can push an audience back into their seats. Um, there's certainly been a, as acting changed, even if we were able to go back or, or if you ever get the opportunity to watch, you know, film from people, even in 1930s movies, when yeah. you're watching the lunts on film, they were horrible. I mean, on film, film right. it was so huge. Right. Um, if you were to take Ethel Merman or Robert Preston and put them in a storefront theater in Chicago, we wouldn't even we'd think they were monsters. Be <laughs> yes, it would be, it would be, we wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. Um, 
they're as acting has evolved and and become more naturalistic certainly you know through the 50s with the method and all these other types of of approaches mm-hmm. which made it more um which calmed it down to some degree the same you can see happening with music theater mm-hmm. um people are looking to approach it through modern eyes and composers and directors and choreographers are most interested in allowing and inviting a modern audience to be able to enjoy it on modern terms mm-hmm. uh, in a way that feels yes we can get into this and, and feel comfortable that doesn't mean that watching a Broadway diva, you know, tear into an 11 o'clock number isn't just as exciting, right. but we will pay attention to that when we're in a storefront theater or a smaller, you know, 150 seat theater or a 200 seat theater mm-hmm. to make sure that proportionately it allows the audience in. It's the, it's, it's the, um, I want the audience to lean forward. Right. Right. And want to see more, not just sit back in the seat and have the, Come to the actor projecting yeah. and blowing it to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's a matter of meeting in the middle. There are some wonderful, thrilling things that can happen when you go back and you're taking Rogers and Hart or Cole Porter and, and, and just calming it down to something a little bit more accessible mm-hmm. uh, to our modern ears. We hear it in a way that allows us in that we go, Oh my God, I never, listened to the lyrics um the thing that you know when we talk about some of these movie versions the old movie versions of musicals um we forget the fact that people like richard rogers and irving berlin and harold rome you know those guys from the 30s and the 40s and 50s they were geniuses and they knew what they were writing they knew when they were writing a South Pacific or a showboat, politically what they were saying. Yeah. How they were looking to incite the audience. I think if we could go back in time and see some of those original productions of those shows, we would be dumbstruck by by realizing how it still works. Well, go back to this concept of modernity. What? How would you characterize what would make a musical more modern, other than we talked about the naturalism of the acting. Can you say more? Um, well, I mean, it depends upon uh, uh, whether we're... we're it, there was a thing, there's an element about certain shows, for instance, we had mentioned South Pacific, but mm-hmm. a show like Chorus Line or a show even like Rent, which were, when they were written, they were modern. Now they are period pieces. Right. So there, there, there were a number of shows that were written in the 1950s, like Bells Are Ringing or I Can Get It Free Wholesale that were just basically like modern comedies. Mm-hmm. They were our, their equivalent of what might be, you know, Harry Met Sally or some kind of a right. modern, I mean, that's not even modern. That's, Right, that's a period piece too. You know, we're period pieces. Yeah, we're period pieces. (laughs) You know, I mean, any modern you know comedy that you'd see in the movies changed into a musical, which is what those were. Um, That's one of the approaches we've we're taking with the show that we're dealing with currently, which is putting it together. Which was a show that was written in the early '90s, but uh, our director Brenda Didier and and Austin Cook, who have uh, created this, have made it set in uh, Chicago in 2011 right now mm-hmm. in a in a a loft condominium in the loop mm-hmm. and to take that piece and really instill it with a sense of these are people that you would see 
getting on the, you know, the, the train going out of their jobs at the loop back to their home or, uh, it, it, it makes you start listening to the show in a different way. You're going, I know those people. Mm-hmm. They're wearing mod, they're wearing clothes my neighbors wear. Right. They're wearing. It's a way and an in to a show like that mm-hmm. that allows the, the lyrics and allows the thoughts and themes to be released by making it accessible for the audience mm-hmm. in a different way. If you are doing a period piece, you, you want to be able to pay attention to the details in the same way that Again, a Steppenwolf would pay attention to the details in a Clifford Odette's play right. or, or an Edward Albee that was written in the 60s. Right. That allows you uh, in. It is set in the period, but we have an acting style that, that we go, oh, I understand that. I can get into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to be able to find the same um, exciting entrance with music theater. Mm-hmm. That's what we're striving to do. Hopefully. How about with respect to let's call it the aesthetic. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned content essentially mm-hmm. makes something about us now. Mm-hmm. Um, is there more you can say about a style of production or a style of music or even what direction you see musical theater moving that could mm-hmm. give me a sense of what you're attracted to or see as being important to produce? Well, I think that there has to, what's important to me is a level of truth and authenticity as opposed to showmanship Mm -hmm. in terms of of the music that we're approaching it trying to unlock the truth that the author was intending when they wrote it um it's going to the author's words it's trying to honor what they wrote they're um, there are uh, some of these uh, shows at an orchestra of, of 25. We certainly can't be able to approach that. And we're not looking to do museum pieces mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with um, having working with material that has something to say about the human condition that aren't simply just entertainment. That doesn't mean that we can't approach it, but that the style of it is something that an actor can approach first, that it is we're working with actors who, who sing, sing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and actors who dance. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously for a Chicago aesthetic, mm-hmm. starting with the actors seems like a very uh, appropriate mm-hmm. place to begin. Um, but if you're doing music theater, you have to have people who are musicians as well. People exactly. Who, and who can sing and dance. Well, and, and I think that that's going to be... Um, the welcome challenge to a lot of the actors, that doesn't mean that we're going out and getting a whole different group of actors. The mm-hmm. actors, the same actors that I'm working with right now here at the Marriott Lincolnshire and at the Drury Lane mm-hmm. and any of those theaters also have all of this ability. Frequently, sure. they're just never challenged. They're, they're, they're not given an opportunity. There's yeah. some, there's an unfortunate, sometimes prejudice of going, well, you just do musicals. And right. it's like, well, what do you mean you just do music? It's a play. It's a story. They're right. characters. How is it any different than George and Martha or Willie Loman or, right. you know, I mean, Harold Hill has some complicated stuff going yeah. on the, yeah. in terms of the complexity of that character, the yeah. great characters in music theater. Tevia, yeah. uh, Dolly Levi is, are, are as great and as large in scale as any of the terrific characters that were written by Arthur Miller. Um, and I'm thinking of, for instance, seeing Guy Adkins in, oh yeah. um, a funny thing happened on the way sure. to the forum. And then, you know, seeing him in Hamlet at Absolutely. Court Theater or in Arcadia at right. Goodman. I mean, there are clearly 
in amongst the Chicago musical, the triple threats, right. there are some amazing actors. Guy was one of those people who was given an incredible opportunity. I, I, as a side note, we this year have started the Guy Ankins Award for Excellence in the Advancement of Music Theater. Uh-huh. Um, so there is a new award that has been named in honor of Guy because Guy was the guy who set the bar <laughs> in terms of going, this guy, he can do Hamlet and Pseudolus. Right. He can do right. Shakespeare. He can do farce. He can do yeah. anything. Yeah. This was one of the great actors who who you didn't think for one minute you would never underestimate. Oh, right. guy just does musical right. comedy. Well, it's he like, can dance at least. <laughs> oh, and he could dance a little bit and do the, you know, the producers right. and stuff like that. Right. No, but I mean, and that is, that was the kind of actor that a place like Porchlight is striving and scrambling to try to find somebody who's going to come in and really throw down and challenge you in the acting department. What is the, uh, what is the award for? I mean, what kind of it people is, or what kind of Well, we're, it is, it, the, the, the title is the Guy Atkins Award for Excellence in the Advancement of Music Theater in Chicago. So we're literally leaving it open to, it can be anybody from any, from uh, any discipline. It could be a designer. It could be a director. It could be an actor. It could be, you know, a, a, a stage manager, mm-hmm. somebody who has contributed and done something extraordinary in this idea of as Chicago theater continues to grow and thrive, mm-hmm. that specifically is contributing in the area of music theater. There are many people who've been here uh, toiling in this arena for uh, 30, 40 years yeah. working at it. And there are people coming fresh out of college who have ideas and vision on how to take music theater and make it make sense to people seeing theater in 2011, 2012, Mm -hmm. where they go, oh my God, I love theater because Mm -hmm. that was my entrance. Many people, uh, I think if they look back, some of the earliest shows that get them excited about theater were musicals. And yet if you ask young people now, uh, do you like musicals, they'll mostly like roll their eyes because it seems hokey to them. Mm -hmm. Until you take them to see a performance of the Book of Mormon. Right. And they're, and you're saying, well, that's written by the guys who wrote South Park. And they're going, oh, it's hilarious. Right. Because it's hilarious to them on their terms. Right. Their just culture. as Guys and Dolls was hilarious to people in the fifties right. on their terms. Right. It was genuinely funny. It wasn't a period piece. Right. It was the, it made sense. Right. Do you have any relationship with the new musicals workshop? Um, they were at the theater building, John Sparks and right. so on, who are trying to incubate new, right. new works. Uh, we know each other. We're not working together specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. at Porchlight. There's a whole new musical theater division that's very exciting that's beginning at Chicago Dramatists which, mm. which uh, Sherry Coons is heading up. Sherry Coons is one of our board members uh-huh. and we are developing a relationship with Chicago Dramatists. We have already uh, done a um, an event at Davenport's. There's another one that's going to be coming up that's also in conjunction with ASCAP and uh, being sponsored. So there's a lot of uh, very foundational things going on in the, the development of music theater mm-hmm. right now in Chicago with a number of different organizations uh, when we are working on some of our own stuff. But, you know, this year right now is really kind of me acclimating to the company right. and getting right. our bearings. And, right. Mm-hmm. So what's a, a recent musical that you love? A recent musical? Last decade. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a... Um, there's a show that I've been listening to a lot lately. Um, 
uh, called Amour, which is a show that Michel Legrand, uh, the French uh, writer, wrote. Uh, it, it, it came out of France. It was uh, it was done in New York uh, a few years ago, and it's just it, it's a small, incredibly charming and romantic uh, show that um, is not pretentious in any way. And it's Michel Legrand's music, and and it's it's just gorgeous and and small and about people and about romance it's a romantic musical which mm. people really aren't writing a lot of uh, right. anymore they're so. sort of like in order to make it not hokey they make it cynical yeah yeah i li- i mean so i get there's always i mean uh, my my car was broken into the other day, oh. and for somebody finding the amount of musical theater CDs that I've got <laughs> that I'm listening to all the time, right. they can go, "Oh, well, I'm going to understand what he likes." But <laughs> yeah, so I listen to a lot of musicals. That's the one that I li- was listening to on the way up here to this interview. So uh-huh. interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's- was there anything else you wanted? say to kind of characterize uh, the way you see the company moving in the next well, several I years? Well, I think that, you know, this production of putting it together that we're doing right now is an excellent sort of a a showcase of saying, look at what's going on stage there. This, a, a Chicago-centric production of Stephen Sondheim, mm-hmm. um, directed by a, a, a Chicago director and, and music director, and the 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 level of um acting that's going on in it mm-hmm. i think is representative of where we'd like to continue going yeah. it was yeah. a really good kind of going okay here's a diving off point take a look at that and you can see kind of the direction we're going into well i think that the marriott audience is going to displace us pretty soon because yes, they're going to enjoy for the boys <laughs> which is a terrific show well thank you so much for making time for me Thank before you. your performance Absolutely. i appreciate it thanks Thank you.